But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's sing that little chorus, Seek Ye First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto back to the hymnal this morning uh, to find our latest sermon inspiration in this series we're calling From the Hymnal. And if you remember, we're taking some of these songs that we sing and some of these songs that we love and then we're letting, us, letting them drive us to the Scripture. And this morning we're going a slightly different direction. I love the excitement. I wish y'all were that excited when it's time to start the service. But anyway, let me just say how good it is to be back. Um, 
Amen. Amen. And um, I just want to say how good it is to be back. I was thinking as, as she was playing a beautiful song. Thank you, Chandra. I could sing of his love forever. Beautiful, beautiful uh, piano rendition of that. Uh, this is my favorite place to preach. I've been privileged to preach in a lot of places through the years. And I preached in the hills of Tennessee and Virginia. I preached in Pennsylvania. I preached in California. I've been privileged to preach in a lot of places, but I think this is still my favorite place to preach. And I feel most comfortable here preaching. And so it's good to be back. And uh, you got a break from me. I hope that's helpful. And because uh, I'm preaching homecoming next week, I decided I'm going to take a turn to kind of kick off the 160th celebration. And uh, as we think about the new church year and the new year calendar year, uh, but anyway, it is good to be back. A lot of you know we've been in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've been gone the last two Sundays. We're in the homeland of my precious wife, Pennsylvania. And uh, week one was vacation. And uh, week two was ministry at the Promised Land Camp. And I tell you that because it plays a big role in today's message. Uh, the official theme verse of the Promised Land Camp is uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so when you go to the driveway, that reference is on the sign. It's on, it was on our T-shirt this year. And uh, it's the official theme verse. And I guess it's been for years and years, as long as I can remember. And it also seems to be the official song of the Promised Land Camp. I don't know if that's official or not, but you can rest assured, if you spend a week there, you're going to sing several times the little chorus that we sang this morning Seek ye first. And so, if you want to look at the words of that chorus again, it's on 524. Uh, and if you've got your Bible open, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to look at that, uh, that song. That's going to be our inspiration today. Uh, the little chorus, Seek ye first. And I think it's appropriate to include um, a chorus in our series because those of us who grew up in the faith, uh, those of us who grew up in church, we probably cut our teeth on choruses. Uh, choruses, you know, are profound truths that are set to a simple medley. And most of us, we started out learning choruses. A lot of us, maybe one of the very first songs we ever sang was what? Jesus Loves Me, that little chorus. We sing songs like Jesus Loves Little Children. Uh, we grew up singing one called One Door and Only One, and yet it's sides or two. I'm on the inside, on which side are you? Talking about Jesus Christ being the door. And uh, then we learned this chorus and sang this chorus, and we sang it at the camp I grew up as well. Uh, called Seek Ye First. And I'm assuming that most of you know it. We sang it together today. But as you can see and think about as we look at that chorus, it's just Scripture with an hallelujah tacked on the end, a praise the Lord at the end. Uh, it's taken from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then Matthew 7, 7, the second verse says, Ask, and it will be, shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And those are some very, very rich verses. And we could take and make it a two-part series. I mean, we could take today and look at the first verse, Matthew 6, 33, we could wait and look next time at the second verse, Matthew 7, 7. But I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do today is I want to focus on the second verse. The second verse where it talks about asking and seeking and knocking. And we find a great prayer promise there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I want to look at it in its larger context. And I'll be honest with you. I'm excited about today's message. And I hope that you'll really plug in and really listen 
because I, I just uh, the Lord has already used these truths in my life uh, just this past week as I've been preparing for today. But let's back up and look at it in its larger context. Matthew 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Now, let's be honest about it. When we look at Matthew 7, 7, and 8, and we see this promise that the Lord gives us, or Jesus gives us this promise, asking if you'll receive and so forth, sometimes we feel like the little boy who once appeared at a cartoon strip. And the little boy is in the cartoon strip and he's kneeling in prayer and he's obviously disgruntled with God. And he said, Aunt Harriet hasn't gotten married, Uncle Herbert hasn't any work, and Daddy's hair is still falling out. I'm getting tired of praying without getting any results. And the truth of the matter is, we sometimes feel like that. When we come to Matthew 7, 7, asking will be given to you, seeking you shall find, not going to be open, and we think, wait a minute, I've been asking, I've been seeking, I've been knocking, but it seems nothing happens. And the truth of the matter is we get very frustrated. And not only frustrated, but confused because Jesus gives this very bold promise and yet it seems we're getting nowhere. Now, if that's you, I want you to lean in real close for the next few minutes as we consider this together. And there are three main truths that I want to impress upon your heart this morning from this passage. And the first truth is a thrilling truth, and it's simply this. God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear from us. And I don't know about you, but just thinking about that sentence alone is quite profound and quite startling. God wants to hear from us. What does he say here? He says, ask. Seek. Knock. In fact, it's so interesting. He wants to hear from us so much. If you take those three words, ask, seek, and knock, and you stack them on top of each other, it even says ask that way. Ask. Seek. Knock. Now, earlier in chapter 6, the Lord Jesus gives what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he gives that in Matthew chapter 6 here in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he gets to chapter 7 and he comes up and he says, listen, I want you to ask. I really want you to ask. I really want you to pray. And um, some people see a progression here. Some people say, well, asking and seeking and knocking is just three ways of saying the same thing. And others say, no, there's more to it. There's a progression. O.S. Hawkins said that if we know His will in a matter, we just ask. If we don't know His will, we're to seek. And if we know His will, but the answer has not come, we're to knock until the answer comes. And so some say, well, actually there's a progression there. Asking if you know, seeking if you're not sure, and then knocking if you do know, but you haven't gotten the answer yet. But regardless if there's just three ways of saying the same thing or a progression, the truth of the matter is God wants us to ask. Now the truth of the matter, though, is this seems to be a blank check. We ask and God gives. 
Is that what he means? And so I, I want a new, a, a, a Bentley. Maybe you say, I want a Bentley. I just think because a Bentley passed us as we were traveling. And so you want a Bentley. You say, well, I want a Bentley. Ask and it shall be given you. And so you pray and you expect to walk out and there's a Bentley in the driveway. Well, you've got to remember when you look at a verse of Scripture, you've got to consider it in relationship to all the other teaching concerning that topic in the Bible. And so when you think about prayer, you've got to look at Matthew 7, 7 in relationship to the other verses on prayer. And I've got to remind you that God is not a magic genie and prayer is not a golden lamp that you rub to get your wishes granted. That's not how it works at all. God wants us to ask, but there are some things that are laid down in Scripture. But then that brings to mind another question. If God is sovereign, and He is, and if God is all-wise, and He is, and if God already knows what we need before we pray for it, and He does, then why pray in the first place? Well, because He said to. Asking is commanded in the Scripture. It was old Charles Spurgeon who said, Brethren, whether we like it or not, remember, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Ask. James chapter 4, verse 2. Jot that reference down. James 4, 2 says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not what? Ask. You don't have because you don't ask. So why does God require us to ask? He already knows everything about us. He knows everything there is to ever know. He knows our needs. He knows our desires, our wishes, our hang-ups, our everything about us. So why do we ask? Well, you got to remember that God has more in mind than just our asking for something. And by the way, in the original language, it has the idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So not just one time, but keep on doing it. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I've got to remind you that when we pray, we're not overcoming God's reluctance. It's not that God doesn't want to bless us and, and can't bless us. That's not the point at all. He delights to hear from us. He's told us to ask. He wants to answer us. And so why, do, why don't we see the answers at times? Well, it has to do with our relationship with the Lord. See, prayer is not just getting things from God. Prayer is communing with God. Prayer is spending time with God. My preaching hero, Adrian Rogers, explained it this way. It was so helpful to me. hope it will be helpful to you. God wants to do some things in us, and God wants to do those things through prayer. And so God tells us to pray. And there's at least three reasons why He tells us to pray and ask and seek and knock. And the first one is the fellowship factor. The fellowship factor. In other words, God wants to fellowship with us. Jot this reference down, John 15, 7. If you abide in Me... And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. John 15, 7. And so one of the reasons that God wants us to ask and pray in the first place is because He wants to spend time with us. He wants to fellowship with us. But then there's the development factor. That is, God grows us through prayer. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't answer your prayer immediately? Now, sometimes He does. But it seems like a lot of times he doesn't. Well, he wants to develop. He wants to grow us. Adrian Rogers uses this illustration. I'll use it today. He said there's a boy who goes and he asks a girl out for a date. He wants to go on a date with this girl. 
And so she looks at him and says, well, he doesn't use good manners. He's not courteous. He doesn't dress neatly. He's got dirt under his fingernails. And there are other things about him. His shoes are not shined. And she says, well, I just don't think I want to date. No, thank you. I'm busy. Well, this boy's not going to take no for the answer. So he does what boys do. I guess they, he goes to a friend. And he asks his friend, why won't she go out on a date with me? Why don't you think Susie won't date me? He says, well, to be honest with you, you want me to be honest with you? Yeah, yeah, I want you to be honest. He says, you got bad breath. <laughs> you got bad breath? Yeah, well, you asked me, and I'm going to be honest, you've got bad breath. And so he goes and brushes his teeth, and he uses you know, his mouthwash, and, and he gets himself ready, and he goes back and asks her for a date again, and she still says no. Well, not to be deterred, he goes to his friend again. Isn't it good to have good friends? Why don't you think she still won't go out with me? Well, look at the way you're dressed. Your shirt's dirty. My shirt's dirty? Well, yeah, go look in a mirror. So he goes, looks in a mirror, and on and on it goes. And finally the day comes as he continues working through all of these issues. A day comes when he looks sweet, he smells sweet, he is, he is sweet. And he goes to this girl, he says, please go out with me. And she says, I believe I will. And they have a wonderful time and a wonderful date together. And just by him asking and getting denied and going to his friend, he gets developed. And Adrian Rogers said, that's a small illustration, but sometimes we come to God and we say, God, please do this. But, but there's something God wants us to do first. He develops us. And so we go and we pray and we don't get the answer. He says, well, God, why don't I get the answer? And the Holy Spirit says, there's sin in your life. There's sin in your life. And so we deal with that sin. You've been selfish. You're carnal. Your motives aren't right. And as you begin to pray and you keep praying, you keep asking, seeking and knocking, and you don't get the answer, God can develop us and begin to really sift out our motives and why we're asking and grow us and mature us. So there's the development factor. But then thirdly, there's the dependency factor. We learn to depend upon the Lord more as we keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so there's this idea of where God is developing our dependency upon him. And I hope that's being developed in your life. That's one of the things that God is really doing in my life in recent days. To realize that without him I could do nothing. And as you keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, you learn to depend and trust Him more and more. He could, he could automatically give us what we ask for and He could do all that, but He has more in mind than just giving us things. He's working to mature us. So do you see why He wants us to ask? Not just because we need things. I need money. I need wisdom. I need healing. I need these things. But because He's seeking to mature us and grow us and spend time with us and fellowship with us. Haddon Robinson, who was a preacher, he's in heaven now, uh, he preached a sermon one time called The Disciples' Prayer. And he says that when his children, he told us in that sermon, when his children were small, they played a game and he'd take some coins and put them in his hand and he'd make a fist. 
And his young children would come and sit on his lap and they would work to try to pry his fingers open. And he said, according to the international rules of finger opening, once the finger was open, it could not be closed again. And so they would work at it and he was there gripping those coins and they would pull and one by one they would get that hand open and finally they would get the pennies that were in his hand. And he said what would happen is once they got the pennies from his hand, they would jump down out of his lap, run away, filled with glee and delight because they had gotten the coins. Just kids, just a game. But he said sometimes we come to the Lord and we do the same thing. We come just for the pennies that are in his hand. Lord, I need a passing grade. Help me to study. Lord, I need a job. Lord, my mother's ill. We reach for the pennies. We want the pennies. And when God grants the request, we push his hand away. But he said, listen, beloved, more important than the pennies in God's hand is the hand of God himself. That's what prayer is about. Not just what's in his hand, but his hand, his presence, himself. Lesson number one, God wants to hear from us. I don't know about you, but that's thrilling. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. God, the creator, he wants to hear me. He wants to hear you. Second lesson, God is good. God is good. You still in Matthew 7? We see it illustrated from the lesser to the greater. Look at verses 9 through 11. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And so what he's saying is basically this. If we as sinful parents... We want to bless our children and give our children good things. How much more will a sinless, perfect, heavenly Father do the same? It's so helpful to remember that um, when we don't get the things that we're asking for, it's so helpful to remember that God is good. When He doesn't grant the request, He's still good. There are some requests that you would not give your kids if they made them of you. Why? Because you're good. You're a good parent. Let's say your um, two-year-old toddles up and asks for a pocket knife for Christmas. I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm in Anson County, I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> I'm assuming that you are such a good parent that you know that probably... Not a good idea to give a two-year-old a pocket knife for Christmas. However, if your 12-year-old puts a pocket knife on their list, you're probably more than happy to give them a pocket knife. Now, you know that, and I know that, and we're sinful people, saved by the grace of God. Well, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who is good and perfect in wisdom, know what is good for us to have? And what is not good? Uh, pastor Bill Hybels often used an outline he borrowed from a pastor friend of his concerning God's answers to prayer. This is really good and I want to share it with you. Basically it goes like this. When you're praying, if the request is wrong, what you're asking God for is wrong, God says no. 
And by the way, can I just tell you that no is an answer to prayer. There are things we pray for. And by the way, things in my life that I recall that God said no to. And uh, you know the old saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. There are things that I can say, thank you, Lord, for saying no to that. Thank you. If the timing is wrong, because sometimes the request is right, but the timing's not right. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. In other words, not yet. If you are wrong, God says grow. We talked about it earlier, about the young man who asked the girl out on the date. So sometimes there's some things in our life, and that's what's hindering our prayer. Our motive isn't right. Our heart isn't right. There's sin in our life. And so God, he doesn't give us what we ask for because he wants us to grow. He wants to mature us. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. So you have to think about, and maybe there's something you're thinking about this morning and you say, I've been praying about something for months or I've been praying about something for years. You have to consider, well, well where, where am I on that list? Is it just a wrong request? Is it just the timing isn't right? Is there something in my life that's not right that God cannot grant this? Because, listen, God is good all the time. God wants to hear from us. God is good. And the third lesson we learn is God gives good things. Did you notice verse 11? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Uh, you remember James chapter 1, verse 17? James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. But notice the condition. It says that He gives good things to those who ask. And there's the problem. We don't always ask. Dave early said that he thought many of us are going to get to heaven and we're going to find out that God wanted to give us so much more if we had only asked for it. And I don't know about you, but that, that scares me. That makes me sad even thinking about that God wants to give me so much more, but I may not get it because I don't ask. And I'm not just talking about material things here. Remember, this instruction is given in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. And so when we talk about praying, we have to pray for physical things, yes, but we have to pray for spiritual things as well. The Lord's Prayer includes both spiritual needs and physical needs. So the problem many times is that we fail to ask. The old evangelist John R. Rice used to teach, and this really, really impacted me. Listen, anything you have a right to want, you have a right to ask for. Anything you have a right to want, you have a right to ask for. Every Christian should take every desire to the Lord in prayer. And he says if you cannot honestly pray for something, it's a sin to desire it. Let me just say that again. If you cannot honestly pray for something, it's a sin to desire it. So ask God to remove the desire if it's wrong. But if you have a right to desire it, you have a right to ask for it. And so I got to really thinking about that. If you have a right to want it, you have a right to ask for it. And so I should bring every request before the Lord. Spiritual requests, Lord, help me to grow. Help me to understand the Word. Help me to pray. Help me to be more effective in ministering to other people. Help me to be more loving. Physical requests, I need to pay this bill. I have this issue with my family. I have whatever. Whatever it is, you take it to the Lord in prayer. And if you can't pray about it, then pray that God will remove that desire from you. Because it's not a good desire. It's not a right desire. 
See, it comes down to exercising childlike faith. We're talking about a chorus today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Ask and it shall be given you. And you know what? When you think about choruses, you think about children, there's something I've noticed as an adult and something that I've noticed as a parent. Children are not afraid to ask for things. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever had to take your child or grandchild and say, listen, I want to teach you how to ask for things. Have you ever? They're not afraid to ask for things. Sometimes when a preacher is preparing a message, he has to go hunting for sermon illustrations. And sometimes, once in a blue moon, sermon illustrations come looking for him. I had that happen when I was preparing this message this week. It was nearing 5 o'clock. I was in my study. Near 5 o'clock. And I was studying for this message. And my door burst open and it's my six-year-old son, Graham. He comes busting into my study. Unannounced, didn't knock, just boom, in. He goes and sits in the chair. And guess what? He came to ask me something. He wanted to go to Walmart and spend $20 that was burning a hole in his pocket. <laughs> now, you might say, where did he get the $20 from? He convinced my mother when we were at her house. He asked her and asked her, I guess, and ended up with $20. I didn't even get $20. She's my mother. But he got $20. It's burning a hole in his pocket. And he had his eye on a Lego set. And he knew he had enough money for the Lego set. All he needed was for me to take him to Walmart. And see, so he'd already inquired, I think, from his mom. But his mom had a PTO meeting at 5.30. And she could not take him to Walmart. So he decided, I've got a good, good father. That's who he is. I'll go ask him. Now remember, I'm working on this sermon. And he comes in and he pleads and lays out his case. Please, please take me to Walmart. Now, normally, I might have put him off and said, we'll go another day. But I was working on this message and it was too good of illustration to waste. So I told him, I will take you, but you're going to have to wait till your mom gets home because she had already told me that when we go to Walmart... She needed to get a few things. So my answer was, yes, but you'll have to wait. Yes, but you'll have to wait. Well, finally, the time came for us to go to Walmart, and he found the set. He had $20, and he had a little bit of money left over. Not much, but a little bit. And since I am such a good, good father, and since this was a sermon illustration in the making, I chipped in a few more dollars and let him get a Lego minifigure pack, too. So, he left Walmart not only with the set that he wanted, but also with more than he asked for. Now, you say, well, preacher, that's not a really good illustration because you orchestrated most of that illustration. I mean, you worked it out so where you could get up here this morning and say, listen, I said yes, but wait then I actually blessed him, and I blessed him more. And I'll admit, I did orchestrate most of the illustration, but you may have forgot one small detail. I did nothing until he asked. I didn't do anything until he asked. But when he asked, 
Then I went to work. Then I orchestrated the details. Then I blessed him. What about you? See, the problem is not with God's goodness or God's ability or God's desire to bless us. The true problem with us many times is we don't really ask. We don't really seek. And we don't really knock. And so I want to challenge you this week with Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. The old Puritan Thomas Watson said it well. He said, prayer delights God's ear. It melts his heart. It opens his hand. God cannot deny a praying soul. Beloved, you have not. Because you ask not. Ask, and it shall be given you. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you want to hear from us. Lord, I don't understand that. Why would you want to hear from us? Because you chosen to love us. So, Lord, may you hear from us. Often, regularly. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you give good gifts. Thank you for the command and encouragement to bring everything to you. You've said in your word to cast all of our care upon you, for you care for us. Now, Lord, we can listen to this message today. We can nod in agreement. We can say amen. But, Lord, what good will that do if we don't actually put to practice what you told us to do. I pray for encouragement in the prayer lives of my brothers and sisters and in my own prayer life. Help us to do what you told us to do here, to ask, to seek, to knock. And thank you, Lord, that you delight to hear us and, Lord, you delight to answer us. And every answer you give is perfect and good. Because you are perfect and good. We love you today and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song I thought would be appropriate is 429. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. The altar is open today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what you need to ask today. Ask for forgiveness. Ask Him to save you. We'd love to help you with that. You want to come and pray about something else? I mean, the invitation's there. He said today, His Word, ask, seek, not. No better time to come than now. Let's stand together and sing in closing 524, or excuse me, 429, 2 hours prayer.